Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Uh, I'm Justin Kaiser. Um, I'm the host of the podcast and YouTube channel, Appalachian Intelligence. Um, Me and I have a co-host named Ryan Ratliff. Uh, We decided about three to four, well, we decided way earlier than that. Um, We've been talking about doing a podcast since I've known the guy. Uh, we've known each other for almost a year now. Um, we actually started the podcast about three months ago, and we like to cover a lot of the same topics that you guys listen to here on the Bump Podcast with Bo. Um, and just to to butter Bo up a little bit before we get started here, I love what he's doing. I love that he, of course, is a content creator from the Appalachian Mountains, just like myself. Um, I live in southwestern Virginia, so. Not that far away from from where Bo is. That's right. Um, and I just I, I love what he's doing. I love that he's able to give people a platform to be able to come on and express themselves, express their beliefs, share their stories. Because these platforms, what they do is they give people the opportunity to break those barriers, those uh sometimes those social those social constraints that they might have as to say, well, I, I can't tell people about this. You know, I can't tell my family or my coworkers about this. They'll just think I'm crazy. I can't, I can't talk all this crazy stuff in front of these people. So what Bo does and has been doing and what we're trying to do at Appalachian Intelligence is just that same thing, to give people a platform to come on, to talk their crazy that's in air quotes for the listeners and not have any judgment, be able to tell their story and to hear somebody that wants to listen, that wants to hear it. And is probably going to believe it, <laughs> I mean, but that's what we try to do at Appalachian intelligence. Uh, you know, we cover everything from uh, the paranormal to cryptids to uh, missing persons uh, to some, some true crime. We're not big true crime guys. Cause I'm not in, you know, all the negativity that, that true crime sometimes brings. Thank you. Me either. I can't stand that, man. <laughs> well, you know, I've I done a, an episode with a, a great guy by the name of Maverick Matthews. And 
one of his quotes, what he was saying was, you look at the top 30 podcasts, it's murder, 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 murder. Yep. But if you surround yourselves with this murder, these grisly details of all this stuff all the time, that's what you're going to project. I'm a firm believer in what goes in comes out. I agree. And in those times, dude, no matter how dark the situation is, you've got to balance this stuff out. You've got to have the positive yep. in your life and be able to find the light or be the light. Amen. I agree a hundred percent. See, we're off. We're off to a good start anyway. Yes, sir. And I appreciate the kind words, Justin. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're right. These platforms, not to use a, uh, a political term, but it kind of gives a safe space. <laughs> you know what I mean? For, for people to come and talk. It, yeah. I just want people to be comfortable. I'm sure you guys just want people to be comfortable. Uh, I've heard it all by now, I think maybe. Um, and I, I was listening to your show earlier today. I dug into part one of three, I think of Bigfoot. I, I love it. Good. I, love man. It. I, I said, this guy sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, my job, me and my co-host, Ryan, we do a, a pretty good job. Uh, we were speaking a little bit before we started recording. We're totally opposites. You know, we 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 kind of uh, we differ on a lot of different views. You know, I would totally label myself a conspiracy theorist, even though I'm not saying conspiracy theorist anymore. I'm saying spoiler alertist. That's <laughs> that's, that's the new term that I like. Um but he's he's totally about the science. You know, it has to be completely logical. It has to be about the facts. You know, if it doesn't equal out and, and the data is on paper, he doesn't believe it. If he doesn't yeah. see it, he doesn't believe it. And that's kind of, you know, it's it's a great dynamic because when we can come together on something, it, it's eye-opening, really. Yeah. And Bigfoot is one of those things that, you know, I've never had a Bigfoot encounter. He's never had a Bigfoot encounter. His dad has, and we had him as a guest on the show. You'll have to check that one out. That's part two. Um, But, you know, when we can, we we both want to believe in Bigfoot so bad that it it gives it that little extra step, that extra height, you know, when we're sitting down and having a conversation. So, um, you know, we have a fun time. We we have a lot of fun. You know, we, we, we started this thing. We had these conversations and stuff a lot of, at work, and uh, we kind of got to the point where we were getting really deep, you know, in intense conversations. So we just decided, I mean, why don't we just share this stuff? I mean, we're having a great time. Our coworkers are looking at us, you know, and commenting and, and laughing and joking, and they're having a great time with it. Why don't we just put this out there? Yeah, man. And so why not? There's room, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there you have it. You know, that's how Appalachian intelligence was born and created. Um, I love it. You guys cover some good topics too. You know, I, I went through there and well, I, I think it was like eight episodes so far. You got, yeah, so far. Yeah. yeah. And you've already got good reviews, good ratings. It's like the show's got legs, man. I, I love it. I love it. I went ahead and downloaded it and subscribed. So I'll, I'll be there whenever they pop up. I'll be listening. Well, good sure. man, good. I appreciate that. I really, really do. Yeah, and you know, we just we hope that it continues to grow for no for no other reason um, than just to give people that platform that we were talking about, just so they yeah. feel comfortable in, in coming on there. Um, you know, that's our big thing, man. Um, 
But enough of that. Enough of, of the the self promotion. We'll get away from that. We want to <laughs> be here to, to to get here to talk about the weird. Yeah, let's get weird. Let's get weird. All right. Um, so I'll just I'll get started. Uh, I guess probably the best way to do this is chronologically. Um, from the time that I was was really really small. Uh, and first off, I, I want to say a little something just about where we live, the area that we live. Okay. I know that there are other parts of, of the U.S. and of the world, especially that, you know, history goes back to the beginning of mankind. But these mountains that we call home, that we live in, are the oldest mountain range in the world. In the world. Yes. In the world. Native Americans were here for who knows how long, how many years before white man came and decided to to make it their own. Right. And, you know, anybody that knows anything about Native American culture, they were really, really, really spiritual people. And the spiritual that they got into, you know, had to do with a lot of rituals, a lot of, of, um, Spiritual trips, we'll say, mm-hmm. behind that veil to to speak to these these entities, these beings, these gods that they claimed, that they thought. Right. So, just to set the whole stage, Native American, the U.S. and especially the Appalachian Mountains where we live, who knows how many. Uh, how many barriers, how many veils, how many portals, if you want to say, have been opened, have been broken down, have been thin to the point that there's things that have have entered into our reality that we may not be able to put back in the box. Yeah. So starting with that, given the little, the, the, the background, um, I grew up in a, an area, the place is called Lick Creek, Virginia. Um, just a little holler, a little holler off the side of a, a small little town. Um, and, you know, the, the entire time I was growing up, I was, uh, I guess, people used to tell me, you know, especially my parents used to tell me that I had night terrors. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was constantly, that was the thing, it was night terrors. You know, I would, excuse me. I would go into my mom and dad's bedroom, you know, three and four times a week. You know, I remember, you know, some of my earliest memories was laying in bed and, you know, hearing these noises that I didn't know how to explain, Uh, you know, seeing something pass by the door that I couldn't, couldn't quite pinpoint. Okay. Who was that? You know, I know everybody's in bed. Mm -hmm. So you know, of course, as a little kid, you know, I'm running just as fast as I go into mom and dad's room, you know, guys, 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 something's going on. And all I ever heard was, oh, it was a nightmare. Oh, you know, there's nothing going on. Oh, you're, you're watching too many scary movies, too many scary shows. Um, so I was always told that I had night terrors. So that's just what I grew up believing that there's something wrong with my brain that tells me that a bunch of spooky stuff is going on. That's not really going on. Were you asleep? Uh, no, no, I, okay. I was never asleep during these, but you know, as a kid, right. Your parents aren't always the, uh, they're not always the number one, uh, support system when it comes to, especially if they don't believe 
in, yeah. in those kind of things. Um, you know, my mom was a, a pretty spiritual person. My dad wasn't. So she would, you know, she would feed into it a little bit more, but still it wasn't enough to be like, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I would usually just make a pallet on the floor and refuse to go back to my room and be alone. And, and we'd call it <laughs> night. That was it. Um, but stuff really started getting um, really intense the older that I got. Uh, you know, I would be laying in bed at night and I would hear knocking and tapping on my bedroom window. Mm. Uh, and we just lived in a little single wide trailer, you know, from the till the time I was 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, I would hear knocking, tapping on my window. Uh, you know, temperature would just drop dramatically, you know, at certain times. Uh, and, you know, and I just kept all these things to myself. You know, I just grew up sometimes laying in bed at night, you know, for hours on end, too afraid to go to sleep that if I close my eyes, something might happen or, or something might get me or, or, you know, something along those lines. Well, everything, you know, all this stuff, it, it, it went on for years and years and years. And I'm trying to shorten this entire part because the meat of the story happens when I'm around uh, 17 years old. <clears throat> so when I was, I just turned 16, I think. Um, and my dad decided that he was going to start building on to our little trailer that we were going to turn it into a build three rooms on the back of it, turn it into like a, a double wide, you yep. know, just more space. You know, I had a sister. She was a teenager. I was 16. Uh, we just needed a little more space. And, and dad was, you know, able at the time to oblige. Yeah. We did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. We built my sister's room on, you know, she was older. So. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So um, the, the sections that we built on was a bedroom, which became my room, a computer room right in the middle and a, a den or living space, living room you know, onto the back. So if you come in, in the front door of the, the single wide trailer, you go straight through is the living room den area. Mm. The next room down from that is the computer room. And the next room down from that was, was my room. You know, so me and dad worked on this thing. You know, we had other family members and friends come over and, you know, we worked on this thing for a few months to get everything, you know, done up, ready to go. All right. So, Around this time that it, everything was almost completed, you know, my room was almost completed. I found out that um, my girlfriend, my high school sweetheart, and now wife was pregnant. All right. Yeah. And I, and I was a father. Yeah. I was, I was 16 years old. Yeah. So at the time, I thought the entire world was falling down. Yeah. Uh, little did I know, you know, how awesome that would turn out to be. Um, but not, not to get too emotional or, or too down the, the, uh, that path, um, you know, that's, that's a big, uh, a big life event, Yes, it is. you know, a, a big mental and psychological weight that hits at a certain area. So, you know, my son Connor was born. I was 17 years old when he was born. Um, my girlfriend at the time, wife now, Monica, she was in nursing school. She had graduated. She was in nursing school in college. Um, 
so we decided when Connor was born, you know, at first I was just going to, I said, okay, look, I'm going to quit school. You know, I'll get a job. I'll work. I've got a family to support now. You know, I'll just, I'll step up. That's what I got to do. Well, you know, her family was, was kind and, and loving enough. And so was mine that they decided I should finish high school. You know, I should, I should finish playing the sports that I loved. I should finish having my high school experience. And then, you know, once that was over, then I could step up. Yeah. That's so, wonderful, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm, I am forever thankful and, and grateful for, for their decision on that part. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, you know, once Connor was born, we decided that we would spend like a week at my parents' house and a week at her parents' house. You know, yeah, it was it was a lot going back and forth, but you know, the houses were 10 minutes apart. Yeah. Um, so you know, it wasn't that crazy. You know, we just kept stuff at both places. It was all good. You know, nobody got their feelings hurt. Nobody felt slighted. Yeah. It, it was all good. So while we were um in the process of this, Connor was probably just a few months old. You know, he was just at the stage to where, you know, you're putting him in a bouncer or in a, a, a jumper just to mm-hmm. give him a little bit of time. And it started out with him, especially, you know, he had colic. He was a colicky baby. So, you know, he would whine and cry a lot, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 17 year old, first time dad with a, a, a baby with colic, you know, oh, yeah. imagine that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard for me to imagine. I'll tell you later. <laughs> same, same scenario, huh? Same scenario. Well, you know what? It made us the men we are today. That's it, buddy. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, Connor, he would be, you know, he would just be chilling out, you know, like babies do playing, you know, the baby toys, you know, they grabs their attention and they're good to go for a few minutes. Well, sometimes he would be looking off into space, just at absolutely nothing and start screaming. And I mean, not, not the colicky, you know, I, I'm tired, hungry, got a poopy diaper, not that kind of, of just whining and screaming. I'm talking uncontrollable, inconsolable yeah. meltdowns with, with, you know, and, and nothing's there. Nothing's going on. All right. So this goes on for a while. Well, we, the way we slept in my bedroom, you know, me and Monica, we had, a, we had a child, but my parents were still a little on the, the stricter side. So, Connor had a crib in the corner of the room, which he hardly ever slept in. He slept with my wife, yeah. my, well, my girlfriend at the time. Um, he slept with her in the bed, and I slept in a mattress in the floor. Um, which you know, it's 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 all good. You know, it's it's cool. I would probably do the same thing now really? as as a dad. <laughs> um, but he would sleep, he would sleep with her. Like I said, and it all started, it started really, really small, man. Like just super small. Um, you know, like the computer, one thing about my room, there was three doors to my room. Mm. One door led into the hallway that we had built on from one door led into the computer room that was right beside connected. And the outside door, the back door to the place was also in my room. Yeah. So the room has three doors. Well, the computer room that was right beside, we would leave that door open. We would leave the hallway door open because we hadn't run any kind of ventilation work, you know, any duct work, 
So in your severe weather months, you were counting on that heat, air, whatever coming from the uh, original part of the house yeah. to come into that area. So it started out with the computer just kind of going on and off throughout the night. You know, then at that point, I'm like, okay, it, it, it's sleep mode, it's rest mode. There's something electrical going on. Right. No big deal. Um, but, but usually, I mean, if you know, you, once your computer goes to sleep, it goes to sleep. It's yeah. not waking back up throughout the night. <laughs> right. But, you know, I just thought, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's explainable. Well, then um, I had a television in my bedroom. And there would be times that it would just start flipping through the channels and not like, you know, your satellite or cable channels, but your input channels, Hmm. you know, like, I don't remember exactly how it was laid out then, but it was before all the, you know, the streaming services and all that stuff. So it was just like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It would just start flipping through those still, you know, okay. Maybe something electrical. I mean, we did build this thing. (laughs) (laughs) i mean you you never know well it it went from that it went from little electrical things to we had put laminate hardwood flooring throughout the place throughout the entire house and when connor you know he's he's a newborn he's a, a baby baby so throughout the night of course he's waking up hungry well i would get up i would go make the bottles at night in the kitchen and Monica would feed him as I come back into the room and go back to sleep. So I got up and, I, and I'm thinking that it was, it was really early on. And, and right as soon as this electrical stuff started going on, I'm thinking just like a week later, I'm making a bottle and I start hearing heels clicking on hardwood floor, hmm. like a, like a boot heel. Just, you know, as you're walking through on hardwood with boots that just, that's what I start here. And it's always going from the front door of the house toward my room, toward where Connor is. So, and every time that I would quit hearing the boot heels, I would hear Connor start screaming every Mm -hmm. single time. Yeah. Crazy. So this happens three or four times. Um, the, the last time that it happened, I actually, I, I was almost done making the bottle. I heard the boot heels. I go running toward, I, I've, I'm determined that I'm going to beat these boot heels to the room. You know, I never saw anything at that point. Didn't see right. anything. I would just hear these boot heels. So I beat or, or I get to the door to my room with Connor's fresh bottle. You know, I couldn't forget that part. Yeah. about the same time these boot heels do. And when I, as soon as I step through the threshold into my room, Connor starts screaming. The TV starts flipping through channels like nonstop. And uh, the hallway door slams like oh, no. up against the wall. So not, not, not slammed shut, but it was a jar just enough that it slams up against the wall. Mm. So at this point, I know, okay, there's something going on. This, I can't explain that away. You know, this isn't, this isn't electrical. This isn't ductwork. I saw three separate events happen all at the same time. Yeah. So I, I couldn't explain that one away. Um, 
I woke up. I woke up one morning and had a handprint across my chest. Well, you know, I thought, okay, I've, I've slept on my arm. You know, there's, that's a possibility. Well, Monica was the one that pointed it out to me. She said, you know, you've got a handprint, like a crazy handprint on your chest. I said, well, I, I've just slept on my hand. It's, it's cool. It's no big deal. She said, Justin, there's no way that handprint is way bigger than your hand. So still, I'm trying to be logical. All right. And I said, well, yeah, but I've probably moved on it. You know, my fingers have shifted. You know, it's, it's, it's my handprint. I've slept on my hand. It's, it's fine. She said, Justin, there is a mark of a forearm going over your right shoulder. So then I started looking and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. So the handprint was here. Mm. There is no possible way that I can make my forearm go over my right shoulder. Your own shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So that was another weird one. This, this is at the point where, okay, now something, you know, something's touching me. Yeah. Um, there's something that's went from making noises and, and touching a door, changing TV channels to it, it's physically done something. Right. Uh, we had, there was a couple nights that, Monica would just wake up in a panic, um, almost like you know, almost like s- sleep paralysis, but not entirely, if that makes any kind of sense at all. Yeah, it does. She would wake up and she could move her limbs and move her head and tell me what was going on, but she would say she just felt like something was holding her down. Something was pressing on her chest. Something was just holding her down to the point that she couldn't freely get up out of the bed the way she wanted to. All right. Um, one night I'm trying to remember all the, the major, I mean, there was a ton of little things that happened through this, Yeah. but I'm just trying to think of all the major events, you know, throughout this time. Um, there was one night that, you know, like I said, I, I slept in a mattress in the floor of my room and in front of the hallway door, especially once it uh, decided it was going to start moving on its own and slamming against walls and stuff like that. You know, you remember those big diaper genies? I don't even know if people oh, still yeah. use them, but the, oh, yeah. they're, they're super heavy. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were supposed to keep the smell down. Yeah. You know, Everybody you, tried. Yeah. Until you actually opened them and it'd knock you over. Yeah. So we had one of these big diaper genies and we kept it in front of the hallway door, you know, the door that led out to the hallway. One night I'm sleeping, uh, sound asleep in the match. You're on the mattress in the floor. And I wake up, I come to, and I hear something scooting, like just scooting around on the floor, on the hardwood floor. Yeah. So I wake up, you know, I'm trying to come to out of my, my, my drowsiness. I don't see anything. There's nothing that's moved. There's nothing at all that's that's changed that's different. So I'm like, well, you know, I mean, all this stuff has been going on at this point now. I'm just, I can go to sleep during it. I'm comfortable with it at this point. Yep. Um, so I, I, you know, a few minutes later, I'm dozing back off. I'm going back to sleep. And right as soon as I start dozing off, I hear it again. But this time it's still going on as I come to. And I look over and I see this diaper genie has moved, you know, Mm. just a few inches, but it's not where it was. All right. 
So I get back up. And, and at this point, I'm starting to get mad. Like, you know, knowing what I know now, what I did then was idiotic. <laughs> idiotic. But let's also explain, I'm really, really strong in my faith right. now. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, I believe that Jesus says who, who he said, he, or who Jesus is who he said he was in the Bible. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm a constant work in progress, but my relationship with Christ is my number one priority in life. All right. But at this time, I didn't believe in God. At this time, if I would have labeled myself as anything, I would have labeled myself as, as an atheist. Oh, well, okay. I was, I grew up in church, but I was too smart, too intelligent yeah. to believe in a God. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. I, I, I know some of those people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I was too. Well, anyway, we'll get, we'll get back. It's, it's easy to talk yourself out of it, belief. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. It's, it's yeah. easier. It's easier to believe that all this came from nothing yeah. is what I thought at the time than to believe in a creator, all knowing, all loving, omnipotent, sovereign God. Yeah. And it wasn't until later on in my life that I realized the personal relationship part of it, that I so, really understood what, what the Bible was saying. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> At this time, I did, I wasn't a believer. I wasn't a believer in anything. Um, you know, at this time, I was a lot like my co-host. I had to see it to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love you, Ryan, but <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> in Appalachian, when we say bless your heart, we, we don't, that's not really what we mean. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the diaper genie. So I'm laying there in bed or in the mattress and this diaper genie has scooted just a few inches. Um, so I, I get up, I go over to the diaper genie, I move it back to where it was and I slam it up against the door. Now my parents are asleep on down the hallway. My sister is asleep across the hall. I didn't care who was asleep. I start screaming. I mean, I'm, I'm mad. I'm telling this thing. I don't know who you are, what you are, what you think you're doing here, but I'm not putting up with it. I'm done with it. Thought I was a big man, you know? Yeah. Well, this thing let me know that I wasn't a big man. I lay back down when I finally cool off a little bit, probably start trying to go back to sleep, you know, an hour later, somewhere around there. And as I start to doze off, I hear the scooting again. And when I open my eyes, this thing's coming straight from my head. Oh, gosh. Scooting across the floor. I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching it scoot straight at my head when I come to. I actually stopped it. I actually reached out and stopped it with my hands. Mm -mm. So, you know, I'm not sleeping again that night. No. I'm, I'm up. I'm talking to Monica. Um, and we're at the point we know. All right, something crazy, something legit is going on. Yeah, man. So my uncle, now let's remember, I was not a believer at this time. My uncle was a pastor of a church. 
and I was out of options. I was desperate, yelling at this thing like it was a little kid to get out of my house. Didn't work. Right. So, you know, you hear the old saying, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. (laughs) To me, I felt like I was in a foxhole. Yeah, it'll do it. So I go to my uncle. I'm telling him what's going on. And he's te- and he tells me, look, Justin, I, you know, he, he prays with me. He tells me that no matter what my beliefs are, that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. So every night before I go to bed to close all the doors to my room and put a Bible in front of each door. And then if something starts happening to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and you know, tell whatever it is, you know, you, you can't stand against the power and authority of, of this name. So I do that for a while. I put the Bibles in front of the door and mm. <laughs> you, you being young and being naive and being so prideful. I put the Bibles in front of the door and it worked. Yeah. And that pissed me off <laughs> and it worked because I didn't want to believe. Right. I didn't want to be a believer. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to think that this fairy tale that I grew up thinking was a fairy tale mm-hmm. was real life was, was how the world works. So a month probably goes on or goes along. Nothing happens. I get pissed off because nothing's happening. <laughs> it shows me that I'm wrong in my right. stance. So I pick the Bibles up, put them back away and say, no, it ain't that. There's no way that that's stopping whatever's going on. Right. Coincidence, right? Yeah. Totally coincidence. Has to be. Well, I move those. And of course, things pick back up again. But the crazy part is it starts small again. Mm. You know, we end with a diaper genie coming at my face. But when, when it starts back up, it's back to the computer and the TV. So where we live, you know, a little bit of time goes by. These little small things are happening. I'm to the point now and I'm prideful that I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm just going to live with it. Well, my, my parents, you know, we lived in an area and we had ATVs, four wheelers, we call them. My parents and a lot of their friends and, and, you know, us sometimes, but, you know, you had to have somebody watch the baby. We would get on our four wheelers at night and just take off. You know, you could ride for hours and hours and hours, maybe days and never cross the pavement, never cross the the main road. So we would take our, that night, one particular night, well, the night, my parents and a few of their friends decide that they're going to go four wheeling. So me and Monica decide that we're going to put Connor to bed, put him in his crib. We need to, he needs to start sleeping in his own crib anyway. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna have, you know, we're just gonna have a little mommy daddy time, watch a movie, you know, just have a a little date night, you know, right there at at home. Yeah. So she goes to take a shower. I'm, you know, I'm putting Connor down, get him to sleep, put him in the crib, set up the baby monitors, do all the things to make sure this night goes just the way <laughs> I need it to go. Right. Um, uh, she's in the shower. Well, all of a sudden. I hear her screaming. She's screaming at me. So I get up, 
I go in there and she said, have you been saying something? Have you been talking to me this entire time I've been in the shower? I said, no, I, I put Connor to bed. You know, he's, I've been doing all this other stuff. You know, I've been settling everything down for the night so we can watch a movie. She said, Justin, I've heard somebody talking the entire time that I've been in this shower. So that, you know, that freaked me out. I'm getting chills right now. Just, just saying it. Yeah. So she asked, she said, can you just stay in here, please? While I just, while I get done. I said, yeah, of course, you know, do what you need to do. So I'm sticking around in there. She's, she's finishing off. Well, she steps out of the shower, starts to dry off, towel off. And. I think that I hear Connor crying. So I'm like, whoa, hold up. I'm going to go get Connor back down. So I walk in there. He's sound asleep. Sound asleep. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he did whimper or cry and and went back to sleep. You know, I I don't know that. So I walk back through the living room. She's getting dressed. You know, I tell her just to meet me in the living room. Um, And as I walk back by, my mom had this big curio cabinet is what they always called it. Just a glass front, you know, with a bunch of angel figurines in there, you know, all kinds of angels. So I'm walking back by that. And as I'm going to sit down on the couch and and turn on the movie that we were going to watch, I see something pass by through the glass, not, not through it, but by the glass of that cabinet. So it catches my attention. I, I, move my head over. I'm, I'm doing a double take. There's nothing there, but I know that I seen something flash by that. Well, I get up, I start investigating this, this cabinet. I'm looking at it and there's a handprint on the glass of this cabinet that I don't think was there earlier because nobody, nobody was allowed number one to touch that cabinet. Right. If anybody got within 10 feet of that cabinet, my mom started losing her skull. Yeah. So, and it was a, it was an adult, large handprint, but I don't say anything about it because Monica's already freaking out over the whole shower incident. I am internally freaking out because I just saw something pass by and now a handprint there. So I take my shirt, the inside of my shirt, wipe it off the best that I can. So nobody else notices it. Yeah. Monica, Monica comes out. We sit down on the couch. We start watching the movie. We're, we get into, you know, probably a half an hour of watching this movie. And. <clears throat> okay. We get into about a half hour of watching this movie. And. I hear something come across the baby monitor. Like, like a mumbling. So I mute the TV and I'm listening. You know, I've got the monitor right beside of my ear. I'm listening. There's nothing. Now, as we're sitting, the couch on this wall, I can see straight in. You know, every door was open into the computer room, from the computer room to my room. All the way, I could see all the way to the back door of the house. But where Connor's crib was, was off to the side in a corner. I couldn't directly see him. Yeah. So I hear something mumbling. I mute the television. I'm listening for it, listening, listening, listening. Get up, go check on him. 
Everything's cool. So I come back and sit down. We start watching the movie again. A few minutes pass. I hear something mumbling again, like a mumble, whisper, kind of just nothing legible, but enough to know that something's going on. Yeah. And that's your baby germs. Exactly. Exactly. So I get up again. You know, I mute the, the television. I get up again. I go check on him. He's sound asleep. Nothing. You know, he, he's not rolling on the monitor. There's no blankets or pillow or anything on the monitor. The monitor is clear. So I'm thinking, you know, is this like, is this like radio waves or signals coming from somewhere else? A, a CB, a walkie talkie, a cell phone, you know, is something happening here that's messing with the, the frequency, right? You know, still trying to be as logical as possible, even after all the events going on. Um, Nothing's going, I mean, nothing's going on with the monitor that I can physically see. So I go back, sit down, and this happens like a couple more times. Like, you know, it's just, it just as soon as I would sit down and get back interested and think everything's cool, my heart rate would fly up all over again, and I would have to go run in to make sure everything was all right with my, with my baby. Yeah. So I sit back down, and we're watching the movie. And this mumbling, whispering starts again. So I just, I leave everything exactly like it was go. I leave the TV playing. Mm -hmm. I look over at Monica and I put my finger to my lips to tell her, Shh, be, just don't say anything. And I let this go on for a few seconds. And it's just that. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden. I hear this deep, gravelly growl of a voice come across the baby monitor and say, I don't know exactly what the word that was spoken, but to me, it sounded like now, just like that. Wow. Just like that. Yeah. So I jump up. I'm the most primal instinct in my body. It's firing right now. My adrenaline is spiked through the roof. I honestly can't tell you what happened from the time I left the couch to the time I got to the door because I was just reacting on pure instinct. Yeah, man. I get to the threshold of my of the room. I look over toward Connor's crib. And standing, hovering over the crib, I, I can't say that, that there was feet or, I mean, I can't say that there was, there was this black mass, mm. that there was this shadow that was hovering, leaned over my baby's crib, looking down at Connor. Now, I say this, and I know that you've heard probably a thousand shadow people stories just like I have. At this point, I'd never heard of a shadow person. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't know there was a such thing as a shadow person. All I know is I saw something that didn't have any exact shape or form, but at the same time, I knew it was humanoid. Yeah. I couldn't see any facial features, but at the same time, I knew that it was looking at him. And then it looked at me. 
And for something that has absolutely no facial features, for me, when I explain it to, to know that it was grinning, sneering at me, mm. I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. But there's this thing, there's this, this shadow, this black mass that's just leaning over my baby. And I stop for a second because I'm in total disbelief. Well, then the, the primal instinct kicks in again. Yeah. And I just run to Connor, you know, to heck with whatever's in the way. Yeah. I run, I run to Connor, I scoop him up, and I don't remember any other details until I was at the bottom of the holler in the car. Connor was in his car seat. Monica was in the passenger seat. And I finally stopped to take a breath when I was at the bottom of the holler heading to her house. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come back home for weeks. Yeah, man. Weeks. That's so scary. That's, that's freaky, man. So, <laughs> you know, I, I can't explain that away. There, there's no way to explain that away. Um, a little bit of, I guess, a, a sequel story to it. Because that's the only time that I ever seen this thing. Hmm. The only time. But, you know, I got the heck out of there, too. Yeah, man. If I would have been in the position where I had to stick around. Now, look, my parents did not love this. They were <laughs> very, very upset. They thought that I was just making it all up so I could just, we could spend more time with her. <laughs> you know, I, I was the bad guy for a long time here. Yeah, that's just my mom and papa getting a little jealous, man. Yeah, that's that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, but um, a couple weeks later, I'm at Monica's house. I think it was on a weekend. My dad was working. My mom was gone somewhere. My sister was at home by herself. I get this. This is oh my god. (laughs) I get a phone call, and it, it was my sister. And she's crying, just bawling uncontrollably. I can't even really understand what she's saying. All I can make out was she was saying, get here now. Hmm. So I jump in the truck. I'm gone as fast as I can go. You know, my primal instinct kicks in again. It's not my baby this time, but it's my sibling. Right. So I'm booking it to mom and dad's house. I get there and my sister's standing at the end of the driveway you know, which is probably 40, 50 yards from the house. She's standing at the end of the driveway, still crying. So I get out, you know, I'm asking her what's going on Was somebody here. Did somebody hurt you? You know, what's, what's going on? Yeah. She said, Justin, I don't know. She said, I don't know what's going on. I said, what do you mean? You don't know what's going on. You just called me freaking out and told me to come up here. How do you not know what's going on? She said, just, just go in the house and look, I, I can't go. I was like, wait, what? She said, just go in the house and look. Well, I finally talked her into walking back up to the house with me so she could, you know, I'm totally lost. I have no idea what's going on. Well, on the way back up to the house, she tells me that she was in the shower. Mm-hmm. Super weird because that's the exact same way the night started out. Yeah. That she was in the shower. She thought she heard somebody talking. and. Then she just started hearing the biggest commotion, you know, like stuff banging all around 
where the direction that the living room is. Well, my sister has never been a, I mean, she's never been a girly girl. Like she's, she's always had some cojones. Yeah. So she comes up out of the shower, you know, she's opened the door. She's screaming, Hey, you know, I've got, you know, I've got weapons. I'll, I'll call the cops. You know, you better get out of here. She thought somebody had broken in. Right. She don't hear anything. It stops. Well, then she closes the door and she hears it again. So thinking that somebody has actually broken in and yeah. her, I mean, I've, I've never seen her scared in my entire life. She just goes busting up in through the living room. <laughs> and when she gets in there, the recliner is tipped up on its side. The coffee table is upside down. Oh, the couch is scooted away from one side of the wall into the middle of the floor. I mean, the place has looked like it's just been ransacked. Nobody there. Oh, no. And I would still think that it might have been a break-in, but she watched the coffee table go from being upside down to flipped up on its side while she was standing there. Oh, no. There was no windows open. There was no door open. There was there was no way that you know every door window was locked. I checked everything. Mm. No way. So to me, I had the feeling like, okay, whatever this thing is, it's pissed and strong and, and strong, super strong. Yeah. You know, whatever it, whatever is giving this thing its energy, it's it's super strong. Yeah. So I actually take my sister down to Monica's parents' house with me. You know, mom and dad come and get her later. And I'm trying to explain to them, guys, look, there's something going on here. I mean, yeah. something has to be done. So, of course, they still didn't, you know, like I said, mom always kind of believed, but she wouldn't really come out and talk about it in, in full effect for fear of dad, you know, right. shutting it all down and calling everybody crazy. Well, it all came to a head. Um, you know, being a, a teenage boy, you know, having a bunch of buddies, you know, we're getting together, we're drinking, we're doing all this different stuff, you know, and I'm telling my buddies this story. And just like most people, when you tell a story like this, it was, oh, Justin, you're crazy, man. You're, you're freaking nuts. There's no way this is going on. You know, this whole having a kid thing, it's got you, you're nuts. You're not getting enough sleep. <laughs> so, you again, did. being prideful. Being an, <laughs> I'm so afraid you're going to say something that I don't want you to say. <laughs> but go ahead, man. I'm sorry. It's just going on in my head. I'm like, oh, please don't tell me. Being but, an idiot kid, I get a bunch of my buddies together. Mom and dad's gone one weekend. Monica has Connor at her mom and dad's house. There's me and three of my really good friends. We go up to mom and dad's and we decide we're staying up there tonight and I'm going to prove to them that this thing exists, that I'm not crazy. And what I'm saying, I'm not making up. Yeah. Again, young, dumb, prideful, yeah. more worried about my ego than anything. I take them up there. You know, we did drink a couple beers, you know, all this and that, just doing young, dumb kid stuff. All it did was got my courage up. So we're sitting there in the living room. Uh, we had been watching TV, you know, just shooting the bull, talking this, and nothing happened. You know, nothing's going on. Yeah. This is up to, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning. 
nothing at all is going on. So <laughs> I'm getting upset at this point. I'm like, look, this thing is making me out to be a liar. <laughs> I'm not having it. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I've, I've got enough in me that, that my courage is built up and I start calling this thing out. I know. I know. Shake your head. I know. I'm sorry, man. I can't help it. No, I know. It's better than I thought. I thought you were going to say, I got a Ouija board. Oh, no, 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 no. I was like, complete, don't say it, man. Even at this point, gosh, we could do a five-hour episode on events through my life. I've got a couple Ouija board stories that I wasn't participating in, but I was in the room for. Yeah, me too. So even at this point, I know you don't mess with these things. Yeah. You know, uh, but now I start calling this thing out. You know, I'm calling it every, every slur, you know, every, uh, every degrading thing that I can think to call it. That's what I'm doing. I'm standing up. I'm walking around the house like a crazy man going into each room, opening closet doors like this thing's playing hide and seek with me. Well, my buddies, they're just laughing. They're getting, they're, they're getting a kick out of all this. You know, I'm putting on some theatrics. Oh, yeah. I come back in the living room and I sit back down. And like most of our mama's houses, there's pictures hanging all on the walls, all around the living room. Yep. I sit back down on the couch. And the first thing that happens is I feel the temperature drop probably 20 degrees. If it didn't drop 20 degrees, I'm not sitting here. The temperature drops, and all of a sudden, I see a shadow, just a shadow, start passing along each of those pictures on the wall in a clockwise circular motion around the room. Like boom, 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 flash across this picture, this picture, this picture. And I'm at the point that I'm like, oh, no, I messed up bad. I messed up really bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking this so much that I'm not even telling my buddies, like, hey, look, look, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> my mom had just turned 40 years old. And we had bought her this big, giant black balloon, you know, happy 40. Here's your black balloon. And she got such a kick out of it that she tied it to the computer chair. Yeah, but I've got buddies over. So I pulled the chair out of the computer room into the living room. So everybody has space to see it. Well, at this point we were all pretty much huddled over on the couch toward that end of the living room. So this balloon just out of nowhere, you know, temperature drops shadows going clockwise along the pictures around the living room. This balloon Start shaking like like somebody had grabbed the string of this balloon and just started whipping it. Mm. This balloon starts going crazy, just flashing and flipping around everywhere. And that was the point where I was like, "All right, look, guy, you know y'all are, are not missing this, and y'all are seeing the same thing that I'm seeing." Yeah. Well, they were definitely seeing the same thing that I was seeing, and decided it was time to go. It was time to get out of there. Well, my buddy, well, he, he's actually my cousin. Um, his name's Andrew. He was the last one out the door. You know, my other buddies, they were already out the door. They were gone. Love you, bro. Sorry we called you crazy. We're, we're gone. Yeah. They leave. They jump in the vehicles. 
And I look at him and I say, Andrew, hold up just a second, man. Let me get my stuff. I'm not staying here either. So I get all my stuff. He's waiting at the front door. I watch this shadow again. Cross through the the picture frames, the, the glass on the picture. Into like the dining room area where the front door was and stop. Stop at a picture that was right beside of his head. Mm. And it stayed there. So I was trying to tell him and point it out, like Andrew, look, look beside your head. Well, he didn't see anything, you know. It just it, it's just a picture, man. Yeah. Well, we leave. You know, I go my way. Andrew goes his way. I never seen this this thing again. I don't know of anything else that's ever happened at my mom and dad's place. Mm. I have I've never experienced anything else there. I've been there. You know, this is, shoot, 18 years ago now at this point, or, or no, 16, somewhere around there, 15, 16 years ago. Um, I haven't experienced anything else. I've been up there a lot. You know, I go to visit a lot. I've stayed the night there. Yeah. I've never experienced anything else. But a few weeks after that, Andrew sits me down. And says, uh, Justin, this, this haunting at your house, how, how did it start? So I start telling him again the whole story, how the computer was cutting on and off. The TV would change channels. He drops his head. He looks over at me. And he says, I love you, bro. But I wish to God you would have never brought me up to your house that night. I said, what do you mean, man? What's going on? What do you mean? Like, has it shook you that bad? He said, dude, every single night, my computer's cutting on and off. My TV is flipping through the channels. He said, and my cat, who has stayed in my room the entire time that I've had it, refuses to come in my room. So, dude, yeah, whatever, whatever this thing was, and this is the part that I feel terrible about and, and will for the rest of my life because I haven't really been in contact with Andrew that much since I know yeah. some things that have happened in his life. And every time that I hear these things, I'm like, was that because of this? Right. Was it because of something that, that I made happen? Wow, oh, man. You know, did this thing somehow get attached to him? And is now somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, there's so many what ifs there. Yeah. But you know, that's beyond your control, man. You know, yeah. It, but it, it is. It is. But it's one of those things that will always, you know, I'll always wonder about. You know, I had years that I would have nightmares that that I was running through the woods and there was always this shadow man that was just a little ways behind me constantly. Oh, just hit the mic. That was constantly reaching his arms out, trying to, to grab me, trying to search. Mm. I mean, it was just years of this. Yeah. And to me, here's the craziest part about it. I, I don't think that, I don't think that I was a target. I don't think that Monica was a target. I don't think that my mom and dad and sister was a target. I think for some reason and all, all the thinking back about, you know, all the events that transpired. I think that for some reason, Connor 
was the target. Yeah. He was the target of this thing. I don't know why. But in looking back, that's the only thing that I can that I can wrap my head around. Yeah. Well, you know, not to be mean, but better your cousin than your son, right? <laughs> you well, know, yeah. Attach itself to somebody. <laughs> you don't want it to be your boy, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I hate to be like that. It's, it kind of yeah. reminds me of some of these horror movies that you see where you've got these people and they're like, you know, let's, let's draw somebody in. And, yeah, you know, the Jehovah's Witness come knocks on the door and they're like, hey, come on in. You know, I got something to show you. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, I've that is that is super scary, man. It, it, it was nuts. It was nuts. And I've never experienced anything like that the rest of my entire life. I mean. You know, I've had some weird things happen. I've had a, a couple of, well, I can call them UFO encounters because that's what they were. They were yeah. flying objects that I could not identify. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing crazy. You know, a, a saucer didn't land in front of me and, and beings come out. <laughs> but, you know, I've had things like that happen. I've had weird, you know, synchronicities, you know, just th- that have happened ever since then. And I've always, I've always had this i'm going to call it a gift an an ability to feel energies yeah if that makes any kind of sense i I can walk into a room into a place and i'm not you know i'm not saying that i'm psychic or some kind of medium but i can tell you you know this is a happy place there's a lot of joy that happens that goes on here yeah but I can also walk into a place and be like, whoa, there's something, this is dark. You know, something bad has happened here. I don't know that, you know, maybe I was able to see and experience a lot of this stuff, maybe because I'm more sensitive than, than others. Kind of like an empath, right? Yeah. Well, I am. I'm I'm an extremely empathic person. Me too. I I think a lot of people in this, in that do what we do. I think it's, that's part of it, man. Well, if you think about it, you have to be, you have to be, to be able to sit people down and want to share stories with each other and share bits and pieces of your life and your, your personal business. And and you feel for these people, man, you really do. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, man. You got to let them, you want them to share it because it's going to help them. It's going to help somebody who's listening to the show. You know, it's, I don't know. It's like therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is. It is, man. That Ryan's dad that I told you that had the Bigfoot encounter earlier. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. He said on the episode that it was Generally. so therapeutic for him to be. A, he yeah. didn't speak about this for 40 some years. Wow. He didn't start talking about this until we started the podcast. And he heard me share a little bit of this story that I'm sharing with you. And yeah. it made him comfortable enough to start sharing his experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what's awesome about what we do, man. Yes, it is. That is what's awesome. It's you have people that have this weight on their shoulders. Yeah. And we give them a platform to come on and share that and, and get that weight off. And it changes their entire, their entire course of action. Yeah. You know, that's what's so important about what we do. Yeah. I agree with you, you know, and I can't imagine, you know, somebody at the level, like we were talking 
before we recorded somebody at like Tony Merkel's level, you know, he's had hundreds and hundreds of shows uh, or Wes Germer. He's, he's knocking on a thousand shows now with Sasquatch. Yeah. But I get emails. I don't know. Every other week of people that have either listened to the show or past guests of the show that just, they can relate, you know, and like with this, this week's episode that, that just released today, I've had, I don't know, eight or 10 people already contact me. Yeah. But it's just, it's just a show that it just strikes a nerve, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, man, it feels so good to know that it's helping somebody out there, you know? Absolutely, man. It, it, you know, I, I know that I've heard you say before that you actually have a background in counseling. Yeah. So a little bit. just that <laughs> tells me that you're an empath. I mean, yeah. you know, anybody that is able to sit there and, and do that kind of work, you know, that's the Lord's work right there. Um, so, I mean, that tells me that, that you're an empath. And like you said, a lot of what we do, but it's not even just that. It's a lot of the people in our area. Yes. You know, and I feel yeah. like that. I feel like that for some reason right now at this time, Appalachia is getting extremely popular. Yes, it is. And it's becoming popular through these, these, these topics, the paranormal cryptids, uh, the occult, you know, a lot of this different stuff. That's, that's what it's getting popular in. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the reason, man, is because you have a lot of people, whether they have a podcast, they're a content creator or not. You have a lot of people living in these mountains, man, that, that care for people that want to hear the stories that have this heart and they have, for some reason, I don't know if it's in our blood. I don't know if it's in our roots. I don't know if it's tied to the area that we're in, but you have a lot of people, man, that have this sensitivity. That can see and feel and and do and, and by a lot of people, I'm not talking like everybody you're passing on the street. I'm just talking about in reference to the eight almost eight billion people in the world. Right. You know, around here, it's like one out of probably every 10 people you're meeting and talking to. Oh, yeah, I got a story for you. Oh, yeah. oh he, you know, hear this. Even if they want to come on a podcast or not and talk about it, everybody has a story. Exactly. Everybody's got a story to tell. And if they're if they're a skeptic, you can still hit them with something. You know, there's something that's went on. Yeah. You know, like my father-in-law, hardcore skeptic. You know, and then he, t- he t- turns around just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and told me about seeing angels. I was like, "Come on, man! You, you go tell <laughs> ghosts are impossible, but angels, yeah. I, come on, what else you got? You know." I, I was at a uh, a knife swap. It's like a trading post. We all get together once a month and we trade pocket knives, you know, for what, whatever. It's something to get the guys together, you know? Yeah. I was sitting there and I've been doing this for six or eight months. Guy across from me. Did I ever tell you my Bigfoot story? I'm like, no. He had this big, perfect textbook Bigfoot story. This guy does not listen to podcasts. He's a coal miner. He, he, he lives in Hearts Creek. If you from Southern West Virginia, you know where Hearts Creek is. Uh, he had no clue, but he had to tell me this Bigfoot story and would not come on the show anonymously because he still thought somebody might know who he is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's still the social constructs there, man. Yeah, man. This guy, I'm telling you, everybody's got a story. You know it. Everybody. Yeah. 
Absolutely, they do. Everybody has a story. And yep. you were you were just talking about, and and I've got one more little quick snippet, you mm-hmm. know, uh, before me and my son, you know, I, I've this entire story has revolved around my son. You know, he's he's almost sixteen now. Um, awesome. So, I, yeah, this was 15, 16 years ago. I don't know why I didn't think of his age, <laughs> uh, but he's almost sixteen. He's my oldest. Um, but he loves. Dude, here's the thing. I went for years and years and years with such severe horror, paranormal PTSD from all this stuff. Yeah. The crazy thing, it wasn't until I, I really got strong in my faith when, when God saved me and I got baptized and I started into ministry and I realized that every single day was a spiritual battle. Yes, sir that I found my love again for hearing about the paranormal and horror and these, these stories. Yeah. So it's weird how that works, but once you realize not only does, does, you know, speaking the name Jesus Christ have power over these things, but the Holy spirit in me has power over these things. Yes. So nothing can touch me. Nothing can harm me or the people around me. If I am induced now, I'm not saying they can't show up. I'm not saying they can't mess with you. They can't, they can't make your life hell. I'm I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying they cannot physically harm me. Right. Because the Holy spirit that lives in me. That's right. So it wasn't until I found that, that I was like, yeah, man, I'm diving back into this. Yeah. You know, that's when I started listening to uh, Tony's show, The Confessionals. I started listening to Wes's show with Sasquatch Chronicles. I started yeah. listening to, um, I don't know if you if you know Dan Cummins and Time Suck, you know, all that. I don't uh, know that one. I'm going to write that down. Uh, Dan Cummins and his wife, Lindsay, have a show called Scared to Death. And it's just, it's people's stories. You know, Dan will find a couple stories, you know, paranormal hauntings, uh, cryptids, whatever. And he'll share a couple on episode. And then Lindsay will take uh, listener stories that they send in and she'll share a couple of those. Yeah. Awesome. But I love their dynamic. I love the stories. Yeah. You know, they're really spooky. Um, so I started listening to that show, you know, along with, with time suck and, and Dan's comedy and stuff, but I really found my love again for all things spooky, you know, all things high strangeness, but it really started with my son because, you know, obviously he don't have, he doesn't have any memory of all of this stuff. Right. And I actually never even told him the story until I recorded it put it out as an episode on my podcast. Oh, wow. And then I told him, all right, dude, you want to know what happened? Because, uh, you know, throughout his whole life, we've dropped hints here and there. And I've wanted to tell him and Monica, my wife's like, no, no, don't even say nothing. Right. So finally, I I just was like, hey, hey, dude, you know, check out this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But he's always, from the time that he's been, I'm going to say probably nine or 10 years old, He's had a love for horror, um, you know, horror movies, 
uh, and, and you know, we love to travel. We love to vacate and go to different places as a family. You know, I think it's really important for our kids to see the world. I think it's important that they know and have culture. Yes. Because you know what the culture is where we live. Oh, yeah. And not trying to offend anybody out there. But in this area, there is a reason that that there's a stereotype. Yeah. There are some backwards people. Yeah. Still in this area. Oh, yeah. so I think that it's important. You know, I love them, but <sighs> a lot of people are set in their ways. Yeah. I think it's important for our kids to see culture. I do too. So we would, you know, every city that we go to, every place that we would go to, we would have to do a ghost tour there. You know, have to. We've been to Waverly. Uh, wow. We've been we've been tour on a ghost tour in St. Augustine, Charleston, the old jail in Charleston, um, New Orleans. You know, every every major city that we go to, he's been to Savannah. That was a trip that I wasn't even on. <laughs> you know, if you look at the top haunted cities lists, you know, start yeah. checking them off. Connor's been there on a ghost tour. That's cool, man. The only experience that he's ever had that, and we had it together was at Waverly. That place is legit. Yeah. But that's not even what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about a place up your way. We went to just a few months ago. This was around uh, Halloween season of last year. We went to the old hospital on College Hill in, Williamson. in Williamson, West Virginia. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. They were doing a little, uh, it was like a Michael Myers themed, uh, kind of like an escape room yeah. kind of deal, but it was based on two whole floors of the old hospital. So, you know, before we get into this game or whatever, the, the curators of the place, I guess you can call them, were telling us, hey, go outside, you know, snap some pictures at these windows, you know, do all this different stuff. I mean, you're here, do whatever you can do. So, you know, me and Connor are walking around. We're snapping pictures at windows. You know, we're looking at the place. We're talking about it. You're up there looking out over all of Williamson. Um, you know, we're just having a good time, you know, chatting it up, talking about, man, wouldn't it be crazy if, if this happened and that happened and, you know, all this different stuff. So we get into the escape room part of it. And, you know, the whole time, Halloween music's playing. So you're, I mean, you're already on edge. Yeah. Michael's coming around every corner, you know, with his big knife in his hand. You know, it's, it's a, it's a fun time. I mean, it's a good time, but it was set up to where you would have to, there's these clues and you would have to solve these little riddles or remember something that was told and, and write it down or solve a puzzle to go on to the next room. Um, and the way it was set, like there was a group of, of probably 10 or 12 of us, you know, not, you know, I didn't know most of the people were actually from Harlan, Kentucky were in this group. Uh, but me and Connor are there and I'm letting him, you know, go into all these rooms, you know, do all this stuff. And he's loving it. So in the group, you have a team leader and you have like a, a, a secretary that's taking notes on everything. So we get into one room and it was a trivia question that was when the hospital officially closed. And I can't remember the year now, but I remembered it then. I mean, my, 
my brain, I just retain crazy information. Right. Um, it was the year that the hospital closed. Well, you know, I spit it straight out. So the, the team leader was like, Hey, come on in here. You can, you can figure out this puzzle with me. <clears throat> so we go into the room and there's a, you know, the old bingo ball, like rolling cages when people oh, play yeah. bingo, the old ones where you spin the little or turn the handle and the bingo balls are falling out. Yeah. We had to do that until we got the exact numbers of what year the hospital closed. So let's just say, for instance, it may have been 2014 when it closed completely. So you had to get a two, you had to get a zero, you had to get a one, you had to get a four. Right. So me, I'm in the middle. The team leader's on my left, or no, I'm, I was on the left. The team leader was on the right. And the note-taking secretary guy is standing behind us. We walk up to this table where this, this bingo cage ball, you know, is sitting there. And I go up and I touch this cage. And when I do this, man, yeah, this place has no power to it. No, right. no lights are on. You know, none of this stuff is going on. I touch this ball and the entire table starts vibrating mm. and not like somebody holding it, shaking it almost like, a, like your cell phone would vibrate. Yeah. That kind of that fast, you know, just, I mean, intense. It was enough that me and the team leader both jumped straight <laughs> backwards and we're like, what the heck is this? You know, what is going on? Yeah. So I go straight in, you know, forget this, forget Michael, forget this, this clue. I'm investigating whatever's going on right now. Yep. The table is bolted to the floor and it's bolted to the wall. There are no drawers in this table. There is wow. no cutouts, no holes, nothing in between the wall uh, or the room opposite it into this one. Nothing. There's nothing around. Mm -mm. And this table is just vibrating like your cell phone would be in your pocket. Yeah. Nuts, man. Nuts. Yeah. Did you did you tell anybody about it? Like, oh yeah, yeah. I told the people that worked there. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I ended up getting killed by Michael because I was more worried about <laughs> you know real stuff going on yeah, man. than 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 fake Mikey. Yeah, but uh, once I got killed and I had to go back down in the lobby. Once I got killed, you know, right. I had to go back down in the lobby, and the people that worked there, you know, I told them I was like. Okay, this is what happened. I know you guys have investigators in here all the time. Yep. Have they ever seen this? Have they ever felt this? And the, the people there told me that was the first time that they had ever heard something like that going on. Really? You know, that people had seen apparitions. They, they had heard voices. They'd heard bangs and noises and footsteps and all this different stuff. But to be there hands-on, when an actual physical object was moving. Yeah. They said they never heard it. Man. Was, uh, I think that woman that runs that, I think her name is Tanya Webb. Is that? It is. It okay. is. I had her on my show. One of my first episodes is about oh. Tug Valley. Wow. She, uh, that, that Halloween of 2020, when COVID screwed everything up, um, 
Tony Moran, the, the original Michael Myers, was supposed to be there. Like he was gonna be there and they had to cancel it. Oh man. I I was I was there. You know what I mean? Like I was, oh yeah. I was determined to show up. And then I guess I got to do something last year, but it wasn't to the same capacity that they were wanting to do in 2020, man. But yeah, no, Tony, she's no. awesome. She's an awesome person. Oh yeah, she was great. I mean, she was great the entire time that we were there. Um, and like I said, you know, I was telling this experience, they were like taking notes, like they're serious about it, man. Oh, they, yeah. they want to be able to use that to, to yeah. let people know. And, um, me and my super skeptic co-host Ryan and our sons who are the same age, nice. we're, we're going back up there whenever warm weather rolls around and we're going to spend the night Yeah, and we're going to do an investigation. We're going to do well, a holler at me, man. Absolutely will, man. I absolutely yeah. will. That'd be fun. Yeah, well, I mean, the way I see it, the more people there, the better. Because yep. if something does happen, and what we want to do, I mean, you know, right now we have like one camera. It's got pretty decent night vision. Um, but you know, we're we're not set up. We're not like <laughs> Tony's. We're not like Tony's Legion of Legends in here in yeah. the woods in Kentucky. Well, maybe we can get Ward Heinen to come with us. And yeah. hey, there you go. <laughs> That's a great idea run his camera for us man. that is a great idea that would be fun wouldn't it but no man that's what we want to do we want to go up there we want to take the camera uh just go investigate it man yeah see what we can see and, and throw it on youtube a couple of days later um we talked about doing that well we're definitely going to do that and another thing that we're definitely going to do uh i don't know if you know the area it's around norton virginia uh, norton and coburn it's called High Knob. I don't know that one. Well, that area is 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 infamous for wood booger sightings. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So we're also when warm weather rolls around. Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to go up there, camp out for you know a night or two. You know, unfortunately with with work, we can't just go decide to hey we're we're staying here for a month. Right. Uh, but we're going to camp out for a night or two up there. The same thing. Take the camera and just, you know, see what we can see, what we can hear. Sweet. So yeah, yeah, I'm, any I'm, of this stuff that you're on, on board for, man. Yeah. I'll holler at you and let you know. Yeah, for real. Holler at me on Facebook Messenger or something, man. Uh, Mid-April, late April, I'm taking a trip to the Ozarks. And uh, I'm going to spend a few days out there. So, man, that'd be awesome. See what we can see. Yeah, yeah that would be my, awesome. It'll take a mancation. It'll be me and my dad and a couple of my uncles and my best buddy from up in Michigan. We're all going to go down there and meet up. Just yeah, that happy. sounds great. That sounds great. Sounds like a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it will be. I'm sure it'll be something Something goofy will go on like it always does. <laughs> you know that. But, <laughs> but if you're anything like me, whatever goofy will go on yeah whenever you cut everything off for the night and you're getting ready to lay down and oh yeah that's when something crazy will happen and you'll be like yeah. oh, man seriously <laughs> man, i tell you what uh, they'll they'll kill me for saying it but you know I, my dad and my uncle everybody's getting older you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm 41 now so taking these guys out it's everything's a little slower paced but yeah. we all go out there we hammock camp you know and 
it was my uncle's first time being in a hammock. And at the time he was about 55 and I'm laying down. My dad's laying down and you just hear a thump. And I turn around and look at my uncle. He's a big man. He's like six, four, 300 pounds. I look back there and all I can see is two white tennis shoes up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> he had already flipped out of his hammock, man. And I, <laughs> I get over there to him. He goes, um, a little help, please. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. The funniest stuff ever for, for us. But. Oh, man, that's awesome. I that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is great. Oh, well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm going to have this show releasing on the 30th, the 30th of February. Yeah. On the (laughs) 2nd of March. That's COVID brain talking. Hey, we're so awesome. We're dropping on a day that don't even exist. (laughs) We'll do it on the 2nd of March. It'll be next week. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on for me. I'm sorry it took so long. No, man, it, it, that was both of us. We've been, uh, just for anybody listening, we've been trying to do this for like a month and a half now. Yes. And like the first couple of times I had to cancel, uh, then Bo had to cancel or not cancel, but, you know, postpone. Yeah. Uh, then Bo had a couple of things come up. It's just been, but you know, man, we're, we're family men. That's it. And we're, we're family men first, if, yep. if you're anything like me. And then we're podcasters, content creators, second. Yep. And, you know, that's what we're saying. You know, I'm sure that you have work tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I have work tomorrow. And it is almost 20 after 10 where we are. (laughs) And we're sitting here having a conversation about shadow men and and Bigfoot. Yeah. (laughs) And in eight hours, I'll be, you know, getting dressed to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just part of it, man. That's but that just shows that, you know, we love what we do. That's it. We Absolutely. love what we do. Absolutely. Sure. Not going to get rich off of it. <laughs> no, no, that ain't going to happen. If that's what it was for, then, uh, yeah. we're in the wrong business. That's it. This is just for the love of doing it, man. That's it, man. That's it. But no, I, I dude, I appreciate you having me on Anytime. You know, just like anybody else that I, that I try to, to coax onto my show and, <laughs> and when I do come across them, I'll send them your way too. Yeah, uh, do that. I'll, I'll do the same for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate that. But you know, it, it's the same way for me, you know, it's therapeutic for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm at a point that I believe that if you have a story, it should be shared. Yeah. You know, people shouldn't, shouldn't bear uh, the weight of, what this happens. And, and I like to give that as a, almost as a, uh, how do I put it? A story, uh, a tale of victory yeah. in my life. And, you know, in the time that I was more scared than any other time that I've ever been, I truly, honestly, wholeheartedly believe that if I had the faith then that I have now that I could have not only, I I believe that I could have gotten rid of this thing. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, you know, little bitty things might not have happened again from time to time because look, in in my perspective, from, from my point of view, this thing is demonic. Yeah. And I feel like most things out there in the paranormal realm are demonic. 
because we know that there's a spiritual battle going on around us every single day. All the time. We know that, you know, if you believe in God, if you believe in the Bible and what it says, we know that there are angels. We know that there are demons. We know that there's a war going around each of us, believer or non-believer, every single day that we don't see. Yes. So in this spiritual realm, in these times that the veil thins and these things are able to pass through, I firmly and fully believe that with my faith, I can handle whatever there is out there. That's right. So for me, it's a story of victory and you don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to, you know, of course I would love for you to believe what I believe because I know and have found the truth that lies there. Right. But you don't have to, but I would, I would offer this up whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, a non-believer, whether you believe in a God or you don't believe in anything, if you're going through anything, anything that is even remotely close to the story that I just told, I would make the request that you just put the name Jesus Christ out there. And whatever it is, say, by the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this area, to to exit this place. You have no power here. And just see what happens. See what happens. Perfectly said. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, I will personally, I want you to personally contact me. Afterwards, and you can call me whatever name in the book you want to call me, <laughs> but just try it. Yeah. Try it out. And Justin, I've told, I don't know, half of the people I've talked to that a very similar thing. It don't matter if you believe or not who or whatever you're talking to, it believes. Absolutely. Well, the Bible says. The, the name of Jesus, it's quaking with fear. Absolutely. It has to obey. Yeah. So well the Bible says even say the Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble. That's right. So perfectly said, man. But anyway, sorry. I went I went <laughs> a little went, went a little deeper again. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's but all man, right. again, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, let's do this again. Let's get you yeah. let's get you over on uh some Appalachian intelligence and you can share some of your stuff just say the word and we'll put each other off for a month and then <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. definitely man definitely all right brother well you have a good night you too man and uh thanks again justin thank you bo all right later bye